Discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Watch as scripture unveils the terrifying future of America and Great Britain as revealed through the sabbatical and jubilee years. Discover the identity of Assyria and its role in this final jubilee cycle. Learn of the pending judgments that are to be soon poured out as a result of transgressing the sabbatical years. Sighted Moon. The 50th day is the same as the first day. The 50th year is also the same as the first year in the next count. Okay, you don't have to believe me. Let's prove it. We've already gone through that, and both, both ways work on this. Both ways work. We have to prove this. We know that Joshua entered the promised land on a jubilee year, and we know that that was 2,500 years after the creation of Adam. So we've got that from the pages of your Bible. We've proven it. We've just done the chronology, but we still got this little bit of unsure which way to use, 49 or 50. How do you do it? The chronology in Genesis, we cannot reckon to our time period now. There's a step in between that we have to figure out. But we do have a chronology from the time of the Assyrians all the way down to our day today. Edwin R. Thiel, in his book, The Mysterious Numbers of the Hebrew Kings, shows us there are two dates. The Assyrians kept their chronology through Emu and Limu lists, recording each and every one of their kings all the way down to our time. And then Ptolemy takes those same lists and overlaps them with the Babylonian kings and brings that all the way down to 161 A.D. And then Ptolemy also uses 80 astronomical calculations, which we can duplicate at Nassau, to, co um, to prove that these years are accurate. So from 970 some odd years all the way down to our day today, we have a chronology that is provable and accurate, and nobody dismisses it. Okay, so what? We are looking for the Hebrew chronology. We have no records, zero records, of when the Hebrew kings existed. Nada. Nothing. If it were not for the Assyrians recording this stuff, we would still have nothing. But the Assyrians did record it. We have two records of them interacting with the state of Israel. One of them is the Battle of Karkar in 853 BC in which Ahab dies, and that's 1 Kings 22. So the Assyrians record this battle. Now we have something to work with. And then you can work with that. You know when Ahab lives, but there's some other stuff there that, okay, it's a little bit dicey. So not only that, Jehovah gives us another date through the Assyrians. And that is the year 701 B.C. when Sennacherib comes against Jerusalem. That year is undisputable. All, all renowned chronologists accept this date as 701 B.C. when 2 Kings 19.29 takes place. So now we have two confirmed solid dates of 853 B.C. and 701 B.C. that tie in the Assyrian chronology with the Israelite chronology. And if it wasn't for these two dates, we wouldn't know when the kings of Israel ever existed. This is big and important. 
And these dates are undisputable. All chronologists around the world, all reputable chronologists agree that these dates are right. So from these two dates, we can now do the calculations to figure out when the kings of Israel existed. And we know from that, because we can go both ways from these dates based on what it says in, in 1st and 2nd Kings. So this is huge. We have four Assyrian chronologies called eponym, from 911 to 701. So I said 977, so it's 911 to 701 B.C. Now they are overlapped by seven Assyrian chronologies called Lemulis, which go from 872 to 660. So they overlap each other. Therefore, we can compare one to the other and make sure that they're both accurate. And that way we know they're solid. And then Ptolemy does the same thing and he overlaps again the Babylonian kings from 747 to 161 common era. And then we have the 80 astronomical sightings of the moon and the stars and comets that we can pinpoint exactly and know for sure that these dates are right. Wow. This, this, like for me, this was like finding pure gold. So 701 is now an absolute chronological benchmark date in history. It is, a rec- is recorded by the Assyrians and in your Bible. And it is not disputable. It is undisputable. Chronologists do not argue about this date. The dates that they argue about are anything before 900 B.C. Those are the time periods that are dicey. The periods of the judges is very dicey. So we read of this event in 2 Kings 19.29. Now this should be highlighted yellow stars, rocket ships coming off your page. This is a huge scripture and it's recorded in 2 Kings, it's recorded in Isaiah, uh, Chronicles, and I think Isaiah. 2 Kings 19.29. We're going to read it nice and slow because I know I go too fast sometimes because I speak Canadian. And this is a sign for you. The first clue right there, this is a sign. The sign is a Sabbath. The Sabbath is your sign. It's a mark on your hand and it's a mark on your forehead. The Sabbath, how you earn your living with your hand, how you keep it holy with your mind. This is telling you something. Jehovah is saying this has something to do with your Sabbath. It's a sign for you. It's how he marks you. It's how he seals you by you keeping the Sabbath. And it is the only thing that identifies you from the rest of the world for those people who do not keep those Sabbaths. This year, this year, when he got this message, this year, you eat what grows of itself so he doesn't plant. In the second year, what springs from that? And in the third year, sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. So we're told in the third line to sow and harvest but in the first two, we're not. Now, if I had a seven-year-old here, they'd say that was a 49th and 50th year. Because it's obvious. But some of the most renowned chronologists leave this out. They do not use this in their explanation of when the Sabbath and Jubilee years are because it identifies precisely when they are and they don't like it because it messes up their theory, so they leave it out. That, to me, is the same as telling a lie. By not including all your facts, this is a shame. So let's look at this again. And this is a sign. This is a Sabbath to you. It's some sort of sabbatical thing to you. 
This year, you eat what grows of itself. That year was 701 B.C. Undisputable date. So we know that 701 B.C. is some sort of sabbatical year because they're not planting or sowing. And in the second year, that's 700 B.C. Whoa, this is huge. When do you have a back-to-back sabbatical year? A 49th and a 50th. Now you know when the 49th year was, and now you know when the 50th year was. Wow. And we also know that the third year, 699 B.C., was not a sabbatical year, sabbatical year, or a jubilee year. This is the second and last year Jehovah gives you, in which he tells you, a jubilee year. The first one was when Joshua enters the promised land. This is the next one. This is the last one. So somehow we got to figure out how to connect those two together. But we still got this problem of 5049. 5049, which way are we going? I'm siding on one side, but you know, these guys, the 50 guys still got a case. Now we have to go somewhere else. Now we're going to go to the history, the actual history that actually records when sabbatical and jubilee years were. Nehemiah 8.18 talks about a sabbatical year. That year turns out to be 456 B.C. And if you look in the charts in the back of your Prophecy of Abraham book, that is a 49th year. We didn't know that when we were first looking at it. It just turned out to be that way. We have also one here in 1 Maccabees 16.14 in Joseph Antiquities, 162 B.C. Now, the known, the, the professional chronologists that talk about this battle in Jubilee years, Wackholder, Zuckerman, Schurer, and Marcus, these are the pros. They know this stuff. Everyone believes them. They leave out this one. Two of them do. And the other two leave out this one because they're bickering back and forth as to which one's right. So they leave them out. And they all leave out 2 Kings 19.29. Because it doesn't match their theory. Here's a good Jew, Julius Caesar. He records in 43 BC another sabbatical year. And he's Jewish, right? Who knew? No, he's not. He's Roman. Josephus records these years as well. And the thing I get so upset about people playing Hanukkah, telling that lie and spreading it around, is because Hanukkah covers up this story and this story. And the reason those guys want to leave this out is because they're trying to prove that the sabbatical year and that the year begins at Rosh Hashanah. Exodus 12.2 says your year begins in the spring at Passover. When you read, when you stop playing Hanukkah and you actually read the book of Maccabees, because they only read that one little bit for Hanukkah. Yes, I don't keep Hanukkah. Neither should you. Don't add to Torah. Am I getting you mad yet? Good. The reason they leave this out and this one out, because it tells you that the year begins in Aviv. John Harkonnes, I believe it's this time, or it could be that one. I forget right now. I get them mixed up. John Harkonnes became king of Judah. His brothers were killed. His father was killed. But his mother and another brother and some other siblings were taken to the city, which is down in Jericho now. And John Harkonnes is going after him, and he's going to kill the guy that killed his family and rescue his mom. 
So he lays siege to the city. I forgot the name of the city, but it's right beside Jericho. So he comes, he siege, puts siege around the city. No one can get in and get out. So this guy that did the murdering takes his mother up on the wall in front of the whole Jewish army and rapes her and beats her and tortures his brothers in front of the whole army. And John Harkonnes is flipping out. He's going to kill this guy, but he can't get in yet. He's got to lay siege a little bit. That's the way they fought at that time. It now comes to, and it says, it comes to the 7th or the 11th month. The 11th month. And it says, John Harkonnes had to break off the siege against this evil person and leave his mother and his brother there in order to send the soldiers back so they could keep the sabbatical year which was approaching at Aviv. He kept the sabbatical year and let his mom die. His mother told him to do it. Stop playing Hanukkah. Stop playing that lie and read what this book says and learn when the sabbatical and jubilee years are. Because they're right there. They're right there and you don't know it. They've been there all this time and why have we not seen it? Because we want to lay a menorah. Now we got 14 dates. These are artifacts that have been found. Common error. Common error. Common error. These are 14 dates. They are all sabbatical years. And guess what? Okay, so here's your proof. Oh, because something else happened here this week. We have two new dates. We have tombstones from Zoar, south of the Dead Sea. And I forgot the dates and I forgot to bring them with me, but they prove two more years on here that we didn't know about until this week. Yes. Anyway, so here's the exciting thing. When you count by seven from each of these dates, including the two new ones that we just got, marked on tombstones that are in the museum in Jerusalem right now. Wow. When you count by seven, each and every one of them matches. And when you count by seven and you go back to 701 B.C., it matches. Wow. We can know every sabbatical year throughout all of history now that we have these proofs. Oh, hang on, hang on. Oh, we got, we got a problem. Got a problem. We still got to count by 50. Okay, let's do the 50 count. So go from 700 B.C. and count by 50. And as soon as you get near any of these dates, counting by 50... See what happens. Do they line up? Not one lines up. Not one matches. And I'm getting way out of my notes, but I'm so excited because I got two new dates to add on this and change this. If you count by seven, they all match. If you count by 50, none of them match. So what Nehemiah was doing there, he's reading the Torah. He's reading the Torah every seventh year. That's one of the commandments that you're to do for keeping this sabbatical year. You read the Torah in front of everyone. And we did this in Jerusalem for the first time maybe in 
over 2,000 years. We did this in 2009, four men, me, myself, me, and three other men. And we read the Torah out loud, all of it. Taking a turn, each man reading one chapter at a time, taking turns. And I learned stuff that I thought I knew by hearing someone else say it. And we had thousands of people going by us. It was kind of embarrassing. No, it was exciting. They ever thought we were nuts. That's okay. They heard something as we went by. You're to read the Torah every seventh year. So everybody gets to hear it. While I'm here, let me tell you something else. You're to forgive the debts of anyone who owes you money in the sabbatical year. And that one is hard to swallow. But you're to forgive their debts. And I did it because... I was told to do it, and they owed me thousands of dollars. It wasn't hundreds, it wasn't tens, it was thousands, and it was tough just to let it go. And as soon as I get, wrote them a letter and said, you're done, you're free of the debt you owe me, they said, we'll pay you. Well, I've only been trying to choke you for four years. Now they want to pay me. No, I can't accept it now. It's a sabbatical year. Your debt is free. You don't owe me nothing. If you send me anything, i got to tear it up or throw it out. I can't keep it. Okay, what happened? Well, you've all had a big recession here starting in the sabbatical year. And it's all been hitting the housing industry. And I work in the housing industry. And if we don't have new houses, I can't put in new ditches to them. And I've been busier than the son of a gun. I've been working 20-hour days. Have I been blessed because I kept this law? I think so. I think so. Keep these laws. Read this Torah. Don't plant. Don't harvest. Read the Torah out loud and forgive people their debts that owe you. And that includes forgive those who have hurt you. Your parents who have hurt you when you were a child. Your brothers, your sisters, that stranger, whoever it is, you got to forgive them. Forgive them their debts. It's not just cash. It's also their sins against you. So, we talked about Wackholder and Zuckerman, Schurer and Marcus. Kadesh la Yahweh Press. Everybody needs to get this book. Kadesh la Yahweh Press. It's online and it's free. I know you're American, so it's free. Get this book. It's free. So you want to get, and just in case you didn't know, it's free. You can download it offline, and it takes every sabbatical and jubilee year that we had in our chart, and it shows you and proves when they were. And it takes every argument that Wackholder, Zuckerman, Schur, and Marcus provide, and shows you where they hide the truth. They hide the truth. Why? to prove their own theory correct. There's the uh, URL right there. Write it down. www.yahweh.org And then you just click on the book section, the publications. This was a huge teaching that we just did. Unbelievable. So where do the false teachings come from? Where did it all begin? Here we have the dates from 701 BC all the way down to 140 Common Era. 
those are provable by Wackholt or by Kedeshli Yahweh Press. Undeniable dates. Get that book and read it and prove this because this is your best armament. If you believe in 50, none of them work. If you go by seven, every one of them work. Get that. So where does it change? What happened? Well, up until, up until this week, that was the last date I had for my proofs. But I got two new ones. This is so awesome. This is what happened. The Bar Kopo revolt. Rabbi Akiva wanted to prove Simon Bar Kopa was the Messiah. So what he does is he gets one of his students, and I've got this in remembering the sabbatical years of 2016. It's in the book. It's explained for you because people will use this to deny what you're saying. Get the book. Read it. There's a chapter. Here's how you can argue again. You may have to read it. Show it to them. Simon, uh, Rabbi Akiva wanted to prove Simon Bar Kopa was the Messiah. The star. He quotes that scripture. And I forgot it. Numbers the rising star. Son of the shining star. I think that's it. And Simon Bar Kopa said he believed he was that shining star. But then he got killed. Oops. Oops, that didn't work out too good. But Rabbi Yossi, who is a student of Rabbi Akiva, wrote this book called The Cedar Olam. And most people use The Cedar Olam as a chronology of history. So now, it's proving that Simon Bar Kopa is the Messiah. It's proving. But in order to do that, it had to change. It had to fudge the dates of when the temples were destroyed. Oops. And he's doing the same thing, and he's using what we've already explained to you all this week about the Daniel timeline. He's using that 490 years to prove Simon bar is the Messiah. And that's where Christianity locks onto it afterwards and starts to use it for the Messiah. And we've shown you how that doesn't work and is not true. We've proven it beyond a doubt. So, Simon Barcopa is killed. Rabbi Akiva is killed. This teaching, Cedar Olam, by Rabbi Yossi, is still there. Now all the sages, all the genomes, all the teachers of uh, Judah take this teaching. They know that that part about Simon Barcopa is wrong. But the chronology, they accept and do not dispute their own Talmud, Babylonian Talmud, Jerusalem Talmud, says the temple is destroyed in 70 AD. History records the temple destroyed in 70 AD. But the Cedar Olam on page 30 questions that, and it sounds like he's saying it's 69 AD. And then they put a fence around the, the sabbatical years because of the blowing of the shofar and the misunderstanding of that scripture, thinking that it's a half a year earlier. So they move it a half a year earlier, And now it's a year and a half out by some. Starting at Rosh Hashanah. So Zuckerman, Marcus, Wackholder, and uh, Schur all go with the same assumption and you use Cedar Olam as their basis of operandi. You start on a faulty foundation and you're going to end up with a faulty conclusion.
It is because of listeners like you who have had the foresight to both pray for us and financially support this program that have allowed us to continue to teach others who are still looking for these truths. Because you have paid it forward, many are now able to hear this message and to learn these truths about the sabbatical and jubilee cycles along with the magnificent prophecies that reveal which could only be revealed in these very last days. When you support our efforts financially today, we are able to produce more radio and video teachings that help others who are waking up and beginning to look for the God that warned us of these curses that are already happening on the nightly news and of even worse, what is yet to come. You can send your support by going to our support page at www.sidedmoon.com or by mailing checks, bank drafts, or money orders made out to Joseph F. Dumond, P.O. Box 21007 RPO, 151st Street, Orangeville, Ontario, Canada, L9WS3O. On behalf of those yet to be called, we thank you for helping us get this end time warning out.